Although this topic has been covered in previous podcasts, I understand that not everyone may have time to to go through all the podcasts. There's quite a few. There's about a hundred on the free section, and there's about three hundred in the capability center. So there's quite a lot of material. There's you know over fifty hours of podcasts to cover, maybe more. I haven't really added it up. But the point I wanted to cover is is understanding what I mean when I say communication is the most important thing in a case interview. I was uh, talking to a candidate um, last night and we were discussing the importance of communication. He kept on coming back to me and saying, Michael, when you you say communication, why do you say fit is the most important thing in a case? Don't, Don't you have to pass the cases? And then it hit me that for a lot of candidates, when they when they're discussing cases, in their minds they've got a barrier and on both sides of the barrier, what they do is they lump all the tangible aspects of preparing for cases and all the intangible aspects. Things like communication, fit, teamwork, and so on, uh, PEI interviews, you know, personal experience interviews, they group it on the intangible side. And anything involving decision trees, hypotheses, and calculations, they group it on the uh, tangible side. And unfortunately, for many candidates, when I talk about communication, they automatically think I'm, t- I'm talking about fit interviews. I want to be very clear about this and unequivocal. I am not referring to fit interviews and the personal experience interviews when I discuss communication. When I discuss communication, I am talking about case interviews primarily and not the fit side of things. And candidates struggle to understand this. And I took a few minutes to explain this to the candidate yesterday, is that when I discuss communication, I'm referring to how you communicate in the case interview. So when I say communication is the most important thing and has the biggest impact in terms of how you will be able to be perceived by the interviewer, I'm referring to the way you discuss numbers, your confidence, your body language, and so on. In no way whatsoever am I discussing the um, uh, fit interview. Yes, the fit interview is difficult, and I think most people do quite badly in the fit interview. In fact, most people are pretty bad at the fit interview, even though they think they are worse in the cases. They are much worse in the fit interview. But while they may be bad in the fit interview, it's actually easy to fix. So the effort that we take to fix candidates for the fit interview is very easy. It takes us maybe one or maximum two sessions to prepare them. Only if language is a problem does it take much longer. But fit interviews are very easy to fix. Personal experience interviews, very easy to prepare for, very easy to fix. Communication, on the other hand, is much harder to fix. Candidates who work with us know the impact um, you can have on a case by the way you communicate. Let me give you some examples, right? Imagine you are doing a case with the McKinsey interviewer. Uh, and you know if you've worked with McKinsey people, they tend to like the approach up front. But what if you get a case whereby you're given so little information that you must ask clarifying questions to understand the case? In other words, without the clarifying questions, you cannot understand the case. For many candidates, they would try to guess, you know, should I give my approach, should I ask clarifying questions? And because you're guessing and you're unsure, when you start solving the case, you speak in an unsure manner. So there's a possibility your approach is wrong. And then you speak in an unsure manner. What do you think is the image you create? Well, you you create the image of someone who hesitates and you're possibly wrong, which is not an image you want to create. What I would do in that situation, what I advise candidates to do is to say something like this. Well, I have a number of clarifying questions which I would like to ask you to help me structure the case. Alternatively, if you'd prefer, I can present my structure to you now and talk you through my thinking and explain to you the clarifying questions, how they could then structure, help me clarify my case. Do you notice what I've done here? I've actually created an option for the interviewer. The interviewer can say, well, I want to see your structure, 
or well you know I, I'm okay if you ask me clarifying questions provided there's not too many of them so this way I've taken uncertainty out of the situation by the way I communicate right you need to be able to do those things that's what I mean by communication the power of communication in a case can totally obliterate uncertainty and add a level of confidence that is priceless in a case and there are many other examples of this right you know for example when candidates are doing estimation questions with us they are very inefficient in the way they do it one of the things they will do is they'll say well the population of Mexico is 70 million um, what I'm going to do now is I'm going to um, I'm going to guess that um, there are 40% of people who have driver's licenses. So if 40% of people have driver's licenses, which will be my assumption, uh, I'm going to put that in here. And what I teach candidates to do is to say things like, uh, I'm going to multiply the population of Mexico, 70 million, by the 40% that I assume to have driver's licenses, which gives me, let's say, um, you know, 80, 75 million, whatever the, uh, uh, sorry, 30 million, whatever the answer is. Uh, these 30 million multiplied by the 20% of people who we can assume will drive cars gives us X. The point is, the way you communicate not only makes you sound better, but it also helps you give the interviewer more structure it also helps the interviewer help you. So when a candidate, when I refer to communication, I'm not referring to fit interviews. That's a totally separate issue, and we cover them separately. Communication refers to cases only, and I stand by what I said where I say that communication plays the biggest role in whether you get the offer or not. We deal with candidates all the time. You know, they'll say things that um, just make them sound better. I remember a candidate once told me a few days ago, uh, we were doing a case and she made a mistake and I pointed out and she said, my bad. And I thought to myself, don't ever say my bad. You sound like you're a 17-year-old kid from Philadelphia. You know, you want to sound professional. If you make a mistake, calmly correct it. There is no reason to point out that you've made a mistake. There are many times where candidates made a mistake and I don't even know they've made a mistake until they point it out to me. And I always mention to a candidate, when you make a mistake, you create an opening for an interviewer to question you. And when you create an opening for an interviewer to question you, he's almost certainly going to question you and ask for clarification. And while you are trying to fix the problem, you then got to explain things to the interviewer, which makes it much more difficult. So always, you know, always present the best foot forward. And I'm going to talk about the psychology of pointing out mistakes. There's a reason why people like pointing out mistakes. They like pointing out mistakes because they like to believe that if the interviewer points it out later, they can always justify it by saying, well, I pointed out the mistake first, therefore, you know, don't I get some credit for that? Well, I can assure you, you get no credit for it. If you make a mistake and you point it out, or if you use mannerisms to show that you have, that you're not sure of something, it doesn't help you. Now let me talk about this idea of showing mannerisms. There's a belief among psychologists propagated by Manfred Ketz de Vries, the famous INSEAD um, psychiatrist, some will call him psychologist, but he's a psychiatrist, that if you lie and you don't show it, you're a, you're a psychopath. That is not true. Uh, we all lie all the time, whether it's a white lie by telling the waitress that the food was wonderful or the service was great, you have to lie sometimes to not hurt people's feelings. You're not a, you're not a um, 
you're not a psychopath if you lie. Trust me. You know, it depends on the magnitude of the lie and the impact it has on someone. But the point is we are led to believe we are psychopaths if we lie. The media tells us that all the time. Uh, someone posted a comment on the uh, on the forums of firms consulting that, um, you know, psychopaths lie. That is not true. We, we want people to believe that. And what we do is that when we, we, we say something we're not sure of in a case, we give away a verbal or a facial cue to indicate we are not sure of it. We either giggle, we use some kind of mannerism to give it away. Because deep down we personally believe that if we lie about something and we get caught out, it's much worse. So let's, tell, uh, let's, let's say something we're not sure of, but let's give away a mannerism which would indicate to the other person that we're not sure. But let me assure you of something. Even if you say something they're not sure of, and even if you give away a verbal cue, it doesn't help you. You are still not sure. And worse, you've given away a verbal cue. A very common verbal cue is people laugh or they giggle. Well, women tend to giggle when they're not sure of something, right? They'll, they'll, or when they're not feeling confident, they will laugh about something. Or when they say something they're not confident about, you know, they don't want to come across as a psychopath, so they'll give away some kind of verbal cue to indicate that this is not something they're 100% sure about. I can assure you right now that giving away a verbal cue or a um, uh, facial cue doesn't help you in any case. You either need to be confident of what you say or change what you are saying so you don't have to give away any of these cues. But the point is you want to be confident at all points. And I always tell people that what you should do is videotape yourself uh, or tape yourself on a recorder and play it back and listen to how you've sounded. Uh, and ask yourself, is this an example of a confident person? A lot of people like filling up spaces. They are uncomfortable in silences. You need to be comfortable in silences. You need to be the kind of person who is willing to introduce silence into a discussion and be able to handle the discomfort that brings. Slight discomfort. It's not going to kill anyone. But a lot of people are you know, not comfortable with it. But I want to circle back here and say that when I talk about communication, I'm talking about cases. I'm not talking about fit interviews. So when you are listening to the communication advice we're giving you, we are explicitly talking about the way you deploy communication in cases. Do not be one of those people who thinks that the only thing to do to pass cases is to be able to do math, estimation, brain teasers, market sizing, and cases. If you do that, you're going to be technically strong but lacking in a leadership in a case interview, right? And it's human nature to pursue the fact that, look, let's focus on cases because you can measure it. People like pursuing cases because they can do a lot of cases and they can measure their progress, or they think they can measure their progress. It's actually very difficult to measure your progress on cases, surprisingly, because cases have varying degrees of difficulty. Unless you understand that, if you're starting off cases and you're given a very difficult case and you do badly, how do you know you did badly because you are unprepared or because you were given an inappropriate case for your level of preparation. You don't know that. So it's vital that while you do case preparation, you do it correctly. You focus on the communication and the technical side. In other words, you need to have the skills to solve the case, but you have to be able to deliver that in a live fire setting with an interviewer. So I stress this point repeatedly. Communication is the most important thing. And candidates who work with us will know that we drive this point home aggressively. And they understand, they've seen the impact different communication can have in a case. It's all about how you bring the interviewer along on the journey. BCG uses the term facilitated brainstorming, which I believe is the right term to use. You don't solve a case for an interviewer, you solve the case with the interviewer. You never go out and just try to impress an interviewer. As always, 
I would be happy to respond to this because I do believe it is the most important point I'm raising. So make sure that you are preparing for communication when you're doing your case preparation.